Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it is Ash Wednesday. Lent begins. Hope you're having a beautiful Lenten season so far, even though, of course, it's just beginning, quite literally, this morning. And also, St. Valentine's Day. With that in mind, we're going to kind of combine the two. We are going to be talking about the beauty of Ash Wednesday, what's going on in Rome. Of course, Joan Lewis joining us in the second part of the program. The first part of the program, after the news, we are going to be speaking with Julie and Greg Alexander, very appropriately. Of course, they are marriage coaches, and they run a beautiful ministry called the Alexander House. The alexanderhouse.org is the website. And they're going to share with us wonderful ways and how when you get closer to God, you really do get closer to each other. And, of course, we're talking about more intimacy as well, spiritual and even, you know, uh, physical intimacy between husband and wife. And really great story, by the way, we're going to be sharing it with you, that is on the uh, Catholic News Agency website. You may have seen it with my dear sister Tracy Sabal last night on EWTN News Nightly, interviewing a marriage expert, Brad Wilcox, who's a professor of sociology at the University of Virginia, He's also the director of the school's National Marriage Project. He spoke with Tracy last night about his new book and why married people who attend church on a regular basis are among the happiest couples. That's according to the research, not making it up. So we'll talk about that as well and share that info with Julie and Greg and get their reaction. And speaking of love, so excited. I have a new piece posted on the National Catholic Registered this morning, and thanks to Alyssa for accepting it and agreeing that it might be a fun idea for St. Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. A grateful kind of love, Italian style, seeking healing at Italy's Madonna del Bagne. This will also be posted on my Facebook page, and we'll send it out there. It's a little-known love story buried in the beautiful region of Umbria, A love story, not only between a husband and wife, but between the Blessed Mother and her many grateful children. It is a really cool little place, and it's it's so moving that Deacon Dom and I have decided, as I say in the article, that we're going to add it to our Italy itineraries. It's just it's just so like off the beaten path. Don't pay too much attention to it. There's some signs along the road when you're going up to Assisi or back, you know, to Rome from Assisi or Perugia. Then you step off into this shrine, and it's like an art gallery. Read the article. Go to National Catholic Register's website, ncregister.com, to check it out. And next time you're in Italia, pull off the road and go to this amazing shrine because the way they express their gratitude is so unique and, of course, very Italian, I must say. All right, weather-wise, what's happening? Well, we are looking at a storm now with the Pacific weather still being affected. Things are calming down a little bit out east, although they did get hit, as you know, probably saw it in the news, with a lot of snow the last two days. Two quick-hitting Pacific storms, according to the National Weather Service, impacting much of the West Coast now, with periods of heavy rain, mountain snow, and gusty winds throughout the weekend. Downstream to the east, two fast-moving clipper-type storms will race from the northern Rockies across the plains to the northeast U.S. and mid-Atlantic, with areas of rain and accumulating snow the rest of this week. So that's a look at the weather today on this St. Valentine's Day and, of course, Ash Wednesday. Right now, already three minutes past the hour, let's get through the news and we'll take a break and speak with Greg and Julie Alexander from the Alexander House. Here we go. Well, as we mentioned, men and women who are married, according to the research, and who attend church on a regular basis are among the happiest couples. Brad Wilcox, a professor of sociology at the University of Virginia, as well as the director of that school's National Marriage Project, telling EWTN News Nightly this week that he wrote his newest book, Get Married, Why Americans Must Defy the Elites, Forge Strong Families, and Save Civilization, after hearing concerns from his students about the state of marriage today. You'll also find the story on CatholicNewsAgency.com, by the way. And contrary to a CNA report's popular perception, Wilcox adds that data indicate that married men and women are markedly happier than their unmarried counterparts. The happiness factor, he adds, shows up even more prominently in married couples who attend church on a regular basis. What we see, he says, is that couples who attend church together are about 15 percentage points more likely to be very happy with their marriages 
they're about 30% to 50% less likely to get divorced, depending upon the data set. By the way, National Marriage Week is observed, and it wraps up today, every year in the U.S. from February 7th to the 14th. The prayer app Hello has seen its biggest spike in downloads following its Super Bowl ad on Sunday. The 30-second ad featuring actors Mark Wahlberg and Jonathan Rumi. Hello CEO Alex Jones saying after the ad aired, Hello had the most downloads in a single minute in the app's history. Hello provides audio-guided prayers, Bible stories, meditations, and Christian music. And Jones says the ad was absolutely a dream come true. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has been impeached by Republicans in a historic House vote after failing last week. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise was back in Washington yesterday after receiving cancer treatments, giving Republicans the necessary votes to overcome their majority and get the impeachment over the finish line. Mayorkas facing scrutiny from Republicans over his handling of the southern border. Several House Republicans went on to say he committed high crimes and misdemeanors and now heads to the Senate where an acquittal is almost certain. New developments early today on four migrants, as Andrew Whitman tells us, regarding the melee near Times Square that left two officers injured late last month. Police now say one of the migrants who was arrested, then released without bail, is a suspect in a robbery at a Queen's Macy's Tuesday night. They say Darwin Gomez-Isquiel may be part of the group that also attacked a security guard at the Queen's Center Mall. The suspect also has dyed blonde hair. He's one of the men police said had fled to California, as were two others who were picked up by ICE agents in the city Tuesday. The driver of a car that crashed into an emergency room at a medical center in Austin, Texas, has died. Christina Stedman with Austin Travis County EMS giving an update on those who were injured. One child was transported with critical life-threatening injuries. One adult had serious, potentially life-threatening injuries. The other two, the other child and the other adult that were transported had non-life-threatening injuries. The car driving through the emergency room at the St. David's North Austin Medical Center last night, the Austin Police Department saying the crash does not appear to have been intentional. A driver was pulled from the vehicle and given CPR but died on the scene. The Northeast cleaning up today after that Northeaster or Nor'easter hit the region with heavy snow. At least one person in Pennsylvania was killed when his snowmobile hit a downed wire and traffic was also snarled along the I-95 corridor. Travel delays on highways and at airports could continue today as the region continues to dig out. New York City, Long Island and parts of New England saw up to two inches of snow an hour and more than a foot falling across Connecticut, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Christian Marcus gives us more details, meanwhile, about how the Big Apple and their officials are now looking into the calm after the storm. This after crews spent most of the morning salting and plowing with hundreds of salt spreaders and sanitation trucks, which double as snow plows, but the work isn't done yet. So we have thousands of sanitation workers working through the day today and all night. Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch, there are concerns the snow could melt and turn to ice when it refreezes. Property owners are urged to clear their sidewalks. Coastal flooding could also be an issue. And Mayor Eric Adams says they'll deal with trash removal. Going on the days where we allow trash to sit on our streets for days. He's thanking New Yorkers for staying off the streets during the height of the snowfall. It hasn't been, meanwhile, the smoothest of days either for some New York City public school students and their families who had to do remote learning at home due to the snow. School officials note there were some system-wide outages on their platforms. Some students tried to log on yesterday morning and also today. Some working parents are, to say the least, frustrated. I think it's a bit disastrous. We are not equipped to do successful remote learning with 24 hours notice. It'd be a lot easier if they could just have a snow day like we used to have and, and go have some fun. The outage issues appeared to resolve quickly with IBM, the system provider. The nation's largest public school district did away with those snow days following COVID, and it's the first time they put the new policy to practice. Again, Mayor Adams has contended children are still playing catch-up from COVID, and days of them sitting at home not learning need to be kept at a minimum. A storm pattern, meanwhile, returning to California today with three waves of precipitation today through Thursday, Saturday to early Sunday, and then late Sunday all the way to Tuesday. This will bring periods of Sierra travel issues with heavy mountain snow, renewed moderate rises on area rivers by early next week, and minor flooding potential on those problem spots that we've been seeing recently. 
That's Courtney Carpenter with the National Weather Service in Sacramento saying the storm pattern will also bring periods of gusty winds, but still nothing like they saw on February 4th. There will be brief breaks between the systems still for Northern California. Forecasts so far suggesting a combined 3 to 5 inches of rain expected in the coastal mountains by Monday. 2 to 5 inches forecast for Southern California's coast and valleys and 5 to 8 inches predicted for the foothills and the mountains. Lucinda Kay tells us more than 1,000 people have also donated, though, to help their neighbors affected by the floods in Southern California. The San Diego Foundation has raised more than $950,000 to help support flood survivors from January 22nd. Most of those grants have gone to nonprofits that are handling temporary housing for more than 300 adults and more than 100 children. The San Diego Flood Response Fund focuses on housing, transportation, food, and basic needs. You can donate and apply for grants at sdfoundation.org. Inflation higher than expected last month. New government figures showing the Consumer Price Index, CPI, rising three-tenths of a percent last month as Americans did pay more for goods and services. Prices for housing and shelter leading the way with lower gas prices helping to offset some of the increases. Core prices, including food and energy, rising 3.9% up from a year ago. Paramount Global laying off about 800 employees. Sources tell CNBC the media giant sending out an internal memo to employees yesterday saying it's laying off about 3% of its workforce. Paramount Global CEO Bob Bakish already sending out a memo last month warning of the impending cuts. Governor DeSantis announcing a crackdown on retail theft in Florida. He says even though the Sunshine State is not California, their laws are still too lenient. You only get a felony if you do five different retail thefts within a 45-day period. DeSantis wants to expand the time window and cut the number required for a felony theft to two or three. The governor also wants to create a crime called aggravated retail theft and make it a second-degree felony to use social media to organize a robbery. He's also proposing a crackdown on porch pirates who take delivery package off those porches. Aaron Rial tells us consultants and executives say that AI could soon upend a much bigger share of the white-collar jobs, including middle and high-level managers. Companies have attributed more than 4,600 job cuts to AI, particularly in media and tech. This is according to outplacement firm Challenger Gray and Christmas. The firm estimates that the full tally of AI-related job cuts is likely higher since many companies haven't explicitly linked cuts to AI in layoff announcements. Unlike previous waves of automation tech, AI has the power to create content and then synthesize ideas, the kind of knowledge work that millions of people now do behind computers. Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash drivers going on strike across the country today. The drivers seeking better pay, they say, and expected to pick it outside airports in nearly a dozen cities. A coalition representing about 130,000 of them saying that they will not be providing rides to and from airports between the hours of 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. in at least 10 locations. And Valentine's Day is supposed to be about love, but it's also about, well, apparently scam artists. There's currently a spike in what are called romance scams. That prey on people, vulnerable, usually lonely, sometimes senior consumers, but everybody's vulnerable to this type of scam. That's Jason Maitza with the Better Business Bureau who says the bad guys create fake social media profiles. They find victims that pretend to fall in love. Eventually they ask for cash and that's when they disappear. He predicts this scam will get worse thanks to advances in AI technology. It is Ash Wednesday, the start of the Lenten season 2024. Wishing you a blessed and a fruitful and peaceful season. It's also St. Valentine's Day. We discussed that in detail about the saint yesterday with our friend Father Chris Allard, today we're going to look at the topic of marriage as it relates to God and love, because God is love. And today we end World Marriage Week, or National Marriage Week, I should say. And I believe the theme for this year was Love Beyond Words, a beautiful theme. So we are turning to some of our resident experts, including our very own Julie and Greg Alexander from the Alexander House. And then speaking of Lent and all things Vatican and Church, we go to Rome to learn more about the Holy Father's schedule, what's happening in Rome and the Holy See today, and much more from our very own Joni Jones Rome coming up on a Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the one, the only EWTN, and we'll be right back. Deacon Skin and Surgeries is a comprehensive dermatology center on the border of Troy and Rochester Hills, south of M59, and in Livonia. 
Beacon Skin and Surgeries perform full skin exams and focus on the diagnosis and treatment of all types of skin cancer and precancerous lesions. All are board certified dermatologists and fellowship trained surgeons. Call 248-852-1900. Beacon Skin and Surgeries, a beacon for patient care. 248-852-1900. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile. Everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at VisitingAngels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. TheAlexanderHouse.org for more information on the great ministry of our friends Greg and Julie Alexander. Fostering Spiritual Intimacy in Your Marriage During Lent. So this is really unique, guys, because we have St. Valentine's Day and Lent beginning Ash Wednesday on the same day. Greg, Julie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Teresa. Good morning, lady. All right, so Greg, let me go to you first in terms of this idea of fostering spiritual intimacy in your marriage. What do you mean by that? Uh, It's just allowing us to grow together spiritually, Teresa. You know, a lot of times we fail to understand that the things that we do in our spiritual beings manifest in the physical. So if we want to grow, grow more together sp- physically, then it behooves us to be able to focus on the many ways we have to grow together spiritually. And I think this season of Lent is a great time to do that. Of course, we typically look at Lent as a time to reflect on how we can grow closer to God. But I think it's also a time in which we should also focus on how can we grow closer to each other in our marriages. Yeah, and Julie, when we think about Lent, we think maybe of our own you know, ideas that we have about maybe adding some more prayer or doing something differently or in a, in a much stronger way ourselves individually. But what about doing that together as a couple, building up on what Greg just said? It is so powerful, Teresa, because as you know, it's like being on a team of a, a sports team when you think that you can be motivated on your own, but how much better is it to have people surrounding you? And that's what we always tell people in our discipling sessions, Teresa, they are a team. You know, the the enemy and the world wants us to think that we should be against each other, fight each other, tell each other they're our faults. And yet we we look to God and he tells us to be merciful, to be compassionate and to be uplifting to one another, encouraging one another out of reverence for Christ. And what we've discovered, Greg and I both, is not only in having the same values and, and understandings in our faith belief but to encourage each other in becoming better who we were intended to be by God. And to encourage each other that way is such a great target to shoot for. Instead of sitting here and pointing fingers, we're now helping each other grow in holiness. Yeah, it was so cute this morning in the first hour of the program. I interviewed a wonderful couple that are involved in uh, the World Marriage Day dinner we have every year in the Archdiocese of Detroit, which Dom and I emcee. They're doing it this Sunday because obviously last Sunday was was Super Bowl, and they were saying that God has blessed them as they get older with a shorter memory so they can't. I can't remember who got who got the other person mad. And, and like Fran was saying this morning that she apologized to her husband, Rich, about something. And he says, well, what did you do? I don't even remember. 
that's a great. That's a great. <laughs> what they said is they're so cute. They're married 60 years. It's, it's just amazing. Aww. They're just adorable. But, you know, it's kind of funny because I'll talk to Dominic and I'll say something like, oh, we went there. Remember, like, of course, talking about Italy. He goes, no, I don't. And I said, well, you had a great time. You loved it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Really, you did. That's awesome. Well, you know, and, and I love that, Teresa. You know, things like you're doing with that that uh, gathering because you need to hear the witnesses of those who have gone before us and who have right. forced away and, and have lived these great marriages. Because there's a lot of young couples today who don't think that 60 years of marriage is even possible anymore. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we you, you broke this down into a beautiful different segments. So I want to make sure we hit these. This is super important. By the way, if you're just talking or just joining us, we're talking with Julian Greg Alexander for our Mornings on Marriage on this St. Valentine's Day and how fostering spiritual intimacy in your marriage is going to bring you closer to each other and God. Okay, so Greg, let's start with the power of prayer. This is this is a biggie. Yeah, well, it's kind of just taken from what you and Julie were just speaking about, Teresa. We should not only be growing and cultivating our spiritual lives, with God as an individual, but also as a couple. Because when we come together as a couple praying to God, it really fosters and strengthens that spiritual bond between us as husband and wife. And when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not talking about just the recitation of like the Hail Marys and Our Fathers, which are beautiful prayers, but also I want to challenge couples to start taking time and really starting to pray from the heart, you know, asking God, petitioning God for things from the heart, for the marriage itself, or specifically for the other person. And, again, that does a great job in allowing for this bond to grow closer in that intimacy in a spiritual relationship as a couple. And, Teresa, as you know, vulnerability is huge when we're talking about growing closer emotionally and intimacy in our marriages because it's that very thing that I can come to, Greg, with my deepest hopes and fears, desires, and anything, but how incredible it is, like this morning, I went to God in prayer first, normally Greg does, but I did it first for us to be on this show in Thanksgiving and to give us the grace to be able to speak his words and his encouragement to those listening because there's so much devastation going on in our world and especially in marriages today that if, if we don't have that emotional connection, it is very difficult to have a open, honest heart with each other, to trust each other with everything that we've got in our heart to share with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. So what about reflection? How do you reflect together as a couple, especially during Lent? Yeah, well, again, starting that individual reflection, Teresa, looking at those ways in which we need to grow closer together in our marriage and then really coming together and having that conversation based upon the things that you reflected on individually to begin to share as a couple. And, you know, in that reflecting together, it, it allows us to gain a sense of clarity and perspective, again, in our own thoughts initially, but then coming together and, re- and sharing with each other those things in which we can grow closer and be stronger in our marriage. And, you know, it's interesting that the uh, the National Marriage Week, the theme this year, and you can find it also on the uh, USCCB website for uh, foryourmarriage.org, love beyond words. And so talking about really putting your faith into action, as we see in the letter of St. James. Yeah, what did they say? Uh, prayer without works is dead. Faith <laughs> without works often? is dead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Faith without works. And, and it goes back to that point where we have so many couples, so many people that will come to our discipling. They'll come and they'll, they'll call us first and say they want to work on their marriage. But typically it's, I want to work on my marriage because my husband has no idea what he's doing. Or I'm frustrated with my husband. Or he's right. doing all this wrong or she's doing all that wrong. And when they tell us that they, they've gone to adoration and prayed for their husband to change or they've gone to daily mass, asking God to give them the grace to be able to put up with their wife. All those kinds of things you go back to until we actually put our our prayer and faith into action and go to the person and actually start having that connection, that conversation, those reflections. Because oftentimes we allow ourselves to get so busy with stuff in life that we pass each other by, we don't have any conversation, no connection, no communication, and then we wonder why we're growing apart every single day. I remember, Greg, when you told me years ago, when I was putting together one of my talks, I was talking about media and family and marriage, and you said that couples only spend, what, like four or five minutes together alone each day? Yeah, well, it was uh, in the course of a week. The average couple spends about 45 minutes of meaningful time together. And, I mean, that's time where it's just instantly involving the couple, not fixing dinner or, or doing chores, but that intimate time together. And that's pretty sad, Teresa, that, you know, we're relying on only 45 minutes to really get us through the week. And that's why, again, we see so many marriages failing because we don't 
be uh, we're not intentional about the time we should be spending together. Uh, again, as we talk about here today, something as simple as coming together in prayer. And, and I want to go back and, and really stress what I talk about in, in praying from the heart. Because when Julie and I are together, and, and when she's praying for an intention for me, she knows that you know I got a, a, a big meeting coming up, or I got a, a big medical procedure, something like that. Just simply hearing her asking our Father for the grace for the success of that event, or for my determination or my strength of persevering, it's pretty awesome to know that she thinks enough about me that she's willing to ask our Father for the graces and the strength that I need to encounter whatever it is that I'm I'm having to contend with. That really goes back to the basics of of what the church teaches about marriage, that it's our responsibility to get the other person to heaven and that we're living a, a sacrificial marriage. Uh, all the time. And it's a beautiful teaching that I don't think we reflect upon enough. More with Julianne Gregg, Alexander, thealexanderhouse.org on our mornings on marriage on St. Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, fostering spiritual intimacy in your marriage during Lent. We'll be right back. Happy St. Valentine's Day. Happy Lent. It is a happy time because this is a time we can really dedicate thanks to the beautiful guidance from the church and Jesus we can concentrate on growing closer to Jesus so we're talking with Greg and Julie Alexander who join us hopefully once a month I know they're super busy they do such a great job with coaching couples but we try to get them on at least once a month because their insight is so incredible thealexanderhouse.org and today we're continuing our conversation on fostering spiritual intimacy in your marriage during this Lenten season. Now, this is something so cool that you guys are offering. And Jules, I'll go to you first. It's a beautiful resource for which you can sign up through your website, 40 Days of Growing in Love Through Prayer, a resource by Greg and Julie. So, Julie, how do we sign up for it and what is it exactly? Uh, yeah, just go to thealexanderhouse.org. And it'll be on the front page right there. And it's actually a a resource that will come into their email every single day for the next 40 days. And it includes daily teachings, uh, daily prayers, and a daily grace and action. And it's really, we've had so many couples go through it and they experience just a connection that they're not used to sharing these things, talking about these things, or praying for these things for each other. And it's just a way of simple. It's very simple. It doesn't take, it takes less than three minutes. Uh, to go through the readings and to reflect and then to to have that time either in the morning or in the evening. And it's just great to deepen the bond of the spouses. Um, And it it really has uh, been transformative through their prayer and what they've experienced in their marriages. So we're we're excited to offer that, Teresa. So you just go to the website, uh, thealexanderhouse.org, and look for it, sign up, and you'll get uh, the emails every day? That is correct. Fun. All right, that sounds great. And this is something, too, that, that you can do together, obviously, but then add it to what you're already doing for Lent. Correct, Greg? Absolutely, Teresa. You know, we, we can't do too much for our marriage relationships. And, and, again, prayer is that foundational piece. You know, we also always talk about prayer as being the cornerstone of our faith, which should also be the cornerstone of our marriage because it's what allows us to be in communication with our Heavenly Father to seek guidance, wisdom, direction, and things of that nature. Even something as simple as resolving conflicts. You know, there's times when Julie and I are at a point where we don't know what we should do, if we should move or should take a certain trip or whatever. And when we hit those impasses, we simply go to God in prayer and asking God to illuminate in our hearts what it is that He wants us to do. And and when that happens, and, and we both feel that that answer, if you will, we just kind of force forward, not even think twice about it because it's been revealed to us by our Heavenly Father. And what's incredible, Teresa, is I find it so amazing how our world looks at the word, uh, you know, romantic and intimacy. And I tell you what, there's nothing more deeper, a deeper connection felt, especially I think in most women, as going back to this whole thing of the 40 days and growing in love through prayer, is there's that time of the teaching and reflection. And when Greg reads that and we sit together in silence, holding hands, and we just reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? And when we share about God and our faith and these these things that really are deep and matter, it's amazing what takes place in our hearts and in our marriages. It's a bond that nothing else can, can do. Yeah, because you have God in the center, and that, that's what it's all about. And somehow we just kind of forget about that after we walk down the aisle at the, at the end of the, the Catholic wedding. I mean, that's what we did. We left God in the 
rearview mirror, and I know you guys did too. We're talking with Julian Gregg Alexander, the Alexander House. So check this out, thealexanderhouse.org. It's a beautiful resource by Greg and Julie, 40 Days of Growing in Love Through Prayer. Just sign up for it on their website. There was a neat story that, and I, I read it in the news, I don't know if you heard it or not, but EWTN News Nightly had the interview with Brad Wilcox from uh, the National Marriage Institute and, and all about his new book. And he was saying the research, and this is secular research, guys, and this is, I love this, when the world is like, oh, this is new and this is incredible. When God's been saying this for, you know, since the beginning of time. But it shows that the couples who are married, husband and wife who are married, and especially those who are going to church on a regular basis, are the happiest couples above all the other couples out there. That is absolutely true, Teresa, because as you experienced and we did, we tried it without God and the facade and the things and the stuff yep. and the material and the, the success, those are so fleeing. And here we are now with the understanding of bringing God to the center where we both got on our knees and said, God, come into our marriage, come into our hearts and show us how you want us to live this. And I go back, I think it's awesome that it's a secular study. And I, I just feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit to say, if there's anybody listening, there's things like in our families, also in the church that are not perfect People may say things, people may do things that are not right, but please do not allow that to have you go get married outside of Amen. the church. Amen. There is such a reason to get married in the church, the house of God, where he calls us to be there to receive his grace. Because if you don't want God a part of your marriage, God help us. Yeah. <laughs> we need him. Yeah, I think that's a great article of what they found, especially here from a secular perspective, but really coming to understand the importance of going to church because they're through those different homilies and the readings, we get those those teachings from the church that we both are hearing at the same time, and now we're we're both called to live out, and, and it brings that joy. But also, just simply going to church allows us to be able to be a part of a community and, and surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals who all share you know, those same beliefs. That can also be a source of support for us when we find ourselves in difficult times. So, right. again, I, I think that's a great article. I'm glad he pulled that out. You know, for a lot of people, not only look at that, but take heed to it and really understand that they need to be involved in church, not just for a Sunday obligation, but for all those positive things that can be a result in helping us to, to grow and strengthen our marriage relationship as well. And again, the source and summit of our faith, which is the Lord and giver of life, Jesus Christ, the sacraments do dispense grace. We get a grace that we cannot right. get from anything else that then is the fortification, the foundation of every strong and healthy marriage. Yep, the Eucharist, you know, the Thanksgiving of the Eucharist. And it, it's it's so beautiful. So on Sunday, Deacon Dom and I were giving a talk to the OCIA candidates, so those coming into the church, and we did a whole thing on marriage, talked about the sacrament of marriage, and we were saying, and, and Greg, I told, I shared about you and Julie and how you were all of a sudden realized you started to actually read what the catechism had to say with the church document said about marriage, and you're like, go figure, where am I? I could have, could have had a V8 all those years. And not enough of us do that because if we would just take the time to read the beauty of what the church says about a sacramental marriage. Oh, absolutely, Teresa. And it's amazing. You know, even when couples come to see us and we, we're starting to inquire about what is it that you've done for your marriage at this point, and they've sought out every self-help book, everything the world has yep. to say, Dr. Phil, Oprah, and everybody else. But, but nobody ever thinks about, what about going back to God, the, the, the one who created marriage? What, what did he have to say about marriage? And through this beautiful church, what is he calling us to do and be in our relationship? And, yeah, that was a, a great epiphany for me when I discovered those. And, and again, and we're still studying. We're still reading. We can never learn or know too much no, about our Heavenly Father and what he wants yeah. from us. No. I'll just say a quick hint, a wink to the men. If you want your wife to just fall completely in love with you and be attracted to you, lead her to God and teach her about who he is. It's incredible. Amen. You guys are the best. Happy St. Valentine's Day. Have a beautiful day. We look forward to talking with you again, God willing, in the month of March as we continue through Lent. Don't forget, friends, visit their beautiful website. If you know someone who may need some marriage coaching or if you just want to refresh your own marriage, they're offering this beautiful resource. All you have to do is sign up for their emails, thealexanderhouse.org. And again, 40 days of growing in love through prayer, and they'll walk you through it. It's very easy. It's all there for you. So beautiful and something you can do together. In addition to maybe you want to do your own retreat and your own readings, that's fine. But if you're married, you look at that triangle. And the closer you grow to the top point, look at that as God, the closer you grow to each other. So check it out. 
thealexanderhouse.org, 40 Days of Growing in Love Through Prayer. You'll get an email for the 40 Days of Lent, starting today, Ash Wednesday. We'll be right back. Always great to catch up with Joan Lewis, Joan's Rome. Of course, the general audience today. Today is Ash Wednesday. Lent begins. And so there's a new word that's interesting that the Pope used in the audience today. And I know we have other things to talk about, but I thought that was an interesting story. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Joni. Yes, indeed. And um, also, yes, Ash Wednesday, of course, as you said. And the catechesis normally uh, refers uh, a papal catechesis around this time of year, the start of Lent, Ash Wednesday, usually does speak of the season of Lent. But today the Pope continued his catechesis on vices and virtues. And um, I saw a word, I wrote it to you in an email, and I said, I don't know about you, but this is the first time I've ever heard or seen of the word acedia, A-C-E-D-I-A. You and I and the rest of the English-speaking world know this term by its uh, more used laziness. And the, the Pope did mention that, that, you know, another way of looking at that is um, is laziness or torpor. As a matter of fact, when I saw the word, without going down at first to read the whole um, catechesis, I just typed in, you know, Google, looked for that word. And it's variously defined, says Google, as a state of listlessness or torpor, of not caring. In fact, the Pope talks about that. Of not being concerned with one's position or condition in the world. In ancient Greece, Akkadia literally meant an inert state without pain or care. And it's funny, though, Teresa, when I came to the word lazy, um, I just didn't relate it to so much of what the Holy Father went on to explain about how sad and bad laziness can be, certainly as a vice. And I just never, uh, he talks about it being called the the noon, uh, I can't find that phrase now, the the noon vice, because yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. about that time of day mm-hmm. when we begin to feel like we're sliding downhill or something. But I have to tell you, if it's noon or or, you know, 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, I never thought of anything as negative as he was saying. I would just think of it as fatigue. Right. You know, you've been up for how many hours, and maybe you didn't sleep well, and, and you're trying to get everything done, and you feel fatigue. And there's also another thing, um, I don't believe the Holy Father spoke of it, called procrastination. Mm-hmm. I, I do have uh, a, a little side of me that is a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, just to hear the Holy Father talk about the laziness um, in terms I had never heard, I found very, very interesting. And he said, laziness is an effect, effect rather than uh, more than a cause. So when a person is idle, indolent, apathetic, we say he's lazy. But the Church Fathers teach us the root of this word is precisely the new one, acidia, which from its Greek origin means a lack of care. Mm. And then he goes on to say how uh, dangerous a temptation this is, and we can't joke about it. He said, it's as though those who fall victim to it, to this laziness, which in many parts it's not just physical, it's it's certainly mental. That I think that's the point he's trying to get across. You know, he says those who fall victim to it are are crushed by a desire for death. And this is what was so new to me. Again, if you say, oh, my gosh, look at John over there. He is, he, you know, he's not raking the leaves as he should. He sure is lazy. And so that is the way that I have always thought of lazy. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I was stunned to read victims who fall to this are crushed by a desire for death. They feel disgust at everything. The relationship with God becomes boring. And I think some of those things, we heard Mother Teresa write about this, right. the dark mm-hmm. night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and the Pope does talk about that, too. Yeah, yeah. The dark, the dark night of the soul. But it was a very, a catechesis that kind of made you sit up straight because 
you heard the Holy Father use words and and explain things in a way that probably you, uh, I I certainly can't speak for you, but in a way that I had just never, ever thought of. Uh, of laziness. We refer to so. it as a noonday demon, which I thought was, that phrase yeah. was really interesting. It grips us in the middle of the day when yeah. fatigue, precisely what I said a minute ago, when fatigue is at its peak and the hours seem monotonous. And um, I do remember always feeling, not that I ever gave it any terminology, but for so many years, I, I, all the morning hours, up until, up until actually after lunch, whenever I would be having lunch and moving to Italy, I'd be having it later, you know, one thirty right. or 2. Those were very active hours. Uh-huh. And then the middle of the afternoon, I was never at my, and I'm going to say physical peak, because I could sit down and write something mentally okay. And then later on, late afternoon, even in the evening, I'd get all that energy back. So, um, and yet I would not have thought of any of that, how I'm splitting my day up, as laziness, but simply uh, you know, physical fatigue, uh, gripping the body, and then you overcome it, which we know Italians and Spaniards and Greeks and many others in this part of the world, uh, you know, for centuries took naps after lunch. That's what I was just going to say, because yeah. it's, it was yeah. it, that's somewhat surprising, because growing up in, in that community, uh, whether he was down in Argentina or visiting Italy, of course, because he was, he was born there, his parents are from both from northern Italy, but... In, in the Argentinian community, I imagine it would be the same because uh, they, there are sure. many, many Italians uh, that moved to Argentina that emigrated there. But it, the whole idea of the reposo, having a break after lunch, after you have your pranzo, I mean, that's still done, especially like in the smaller towns in Italy. And I never thought of it as a negative. I only thought of it as, okay, we're taking a rest because they tend to eat dinner much later and the stores are open later. But I guess there is an a- aspect of that that could be you know, conceived as, eh, maybe we need to just push through. And I, I've just always thought of that nap as being something linked to this energy, not a surge in energy, but a downward trend in energy towards uh, the, the middle of the day. And then you're eating food, and um, maybe the whole digestive thing kicks in. <laughs> who who right. knows? But that uh, hour after, you know, however long people took their little siesta for, that time seemed to rejuvenate people. So. To get rid of, I just never thought of it as laziness, but right. uh, as I, as you said, the ancient fathers tell us, it's the noonday demon, so or, or one o'clock demon, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, a fascinating audience, but let me tell you that my favorite part of the audience was at the very end when the Holy Father greeted, he was present in the audience hall, 95-year-old um, Cardinal Ernest, uh, Ernest Simoni. From I Albania. saw that picture. Was, oh, my gosh, that oh, was precious. Oh, but you had to see. Well, he was seated with other guests on the stage in the Paul VI Hall. And um, the Pope had put down, as he did several times today and has done in recent weeks, he put down his notes, and there was uh, quite a bit of off-the-cuff stuff. But all of a sudden, he put down his notes. He looked to his left where, where the guests were, including the cardinal, and he had been talking about martyrs, the Pope had, and he's talking about modern-day martyrs, and he said, one of them is right here in this room with us. And, um, by the way, the hall was packed. I mean, I don't even think there would have been room for a sta- standing room only today. Um, so anyway, he looked over and he named the cardinal. And it was 10 years ago that the Holy Father met him. He was not a cardinal then, but he met him and learned his entire story when he went to Albania. He, Francis, went to Albania in 2014. And apparently burst into tears when he listened to to his story and all of his sufferings because in uh, right after Christmas Mass in 1963 the uh, Simone was again remember he was not a cardinal then he was arrested and imprisoned and he was stayed there for 28 years doing uh, hard labor and very often spending time in solitary confinement and um, as I read this all I could think of because I think the time frame was pretty similar uh, the uh, Chinese Cardinal Ignatius oh, yes. in May. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it was 23 years or something. And, he re- and if you remember, in 1991, when John Paul, I think it was June of 1991, John Paul was naming new cardinals, and he said there, there was also an in pectore cardinal, which means someone that 
that the Holy Father would make a cardinal if he could, uh, but there might be something such as punishment. So, and King um, Fong Bing Ging Mei, Bin Mei was in prison at the time. And so, um, anyway, I think he was released in uh, not terribly long after that, and we discovered then that um, because if a pope dies without revealing who an in pectore cardinal is, in pectore meaning in the breast, only he, the, the pope, knows. If a pope dies without revealing that name, no one, on, only God and the pope know. But he did reveal that that cardinal, and then he was freed, you know, on Pin May. So here today we had this wonderful man, just his beautiful white hair. Oh, his white hair. Same, I was going to say, it reminded me of Benedict because that, that full head of white yeah. hair, just it's a beautiful picture. And, and that red zucchetto and uh-huh. the smile on, on his face. And then he came over and, and spoke to the Pope who, you know, was like bowing, uh, bowing his head down to him. Also, I think, too, I don't know what language was spoken because at a certain point, um, another priest came in. The audio was not on for their words. And so this occurred at the end of the of the visit, but there was huge applause Aww. by all the faithful present in, in the hall. And I was practically applauding, just sitting here, watching everything um, take place. But um, the you know, as the Pope said, we've all heard the stories of the early martyrs. Even here, where the Vatican is now, there's a cemetery, and many were executed here. But even today, there are martyrs all over the world, mm-hmm. and many persecuted for their faith. And then he introduced the cardinal, and mentioning that he was from the had suffered under the communist persecution in Albania, and the Pope called this perhaps the cruelest of its kind. But um, yeah, saying he I, forgave I his the, jailers and resumed his service as a priest with special focus on promoting reconciliation in post-communist Albania. Wow. Yeah, and the fact that this is both highlighted, he's now 95, well, we had said that at the beginning, he's now 95 years old, and he continues to work for the church without becoming discouraged. Those are moments of faith. Oh, I see what picture you're talking about on the Vatican website, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the, the video was really phenomenal of, of the audience. And that video you can see on Vatican, not Vatican News, but Vatican.va, just, you know, choose your, your language, English, and the, the whole video of the encounter is, is there very, very moving. So um, I, another cardinal, by the way, that the, the Holy Father received today, we got this about uh, two hours or something ago in a, in a late addition to audiences, the Holy Father received Cardinal Zivitz, who's the, of course, for almost 40 years was John Paul's secretary and and almost like a son to him for years, and then the Archbishop of Krakow, and, of course, now in, in retirement. So um, he was received by the Pope. Nothing That was just listed as an audience on the audience sheet. No no comment made. I don't know, you know what the reason might be that he's, that he's in Rome. We'll have to find out and see. Mm-hmm. But I think when so, we see uh, stories like this, of this, uh, you know, this wonderful man who did so much and still does so much of the faith, it's, it's really encouraging. And, and I'm glad that they put up those photos because if you read about his life and you think, you know, so many in the United States, we're going through so much here in, in terms of white martyrdom. Yeah. Every time we turn around, there's another effort to silence us or punish pro-lifers. And, and you know, coming from a quote-unquote Catholic president makes it even worse. And so we see stories like this and we're encouraged that in addition to, obviously, as you mentioned, the early church fathers and the thousands of saints we have, that beautiful cloud of witnesses, that we have a lot of people today that are still alive who know what, what real, not that we're not going through real persecution, but persecution sure. in the sense where physically they've suffered as well as spiritually and emotionally. And we can look at these examples and take heart and know that it is possible to push through and, and to maintain, not only maintain your faith, but to forgive those who are persecuting you. Joan, beautiful. Thanks for sharing with us this morning. Enjoy St. Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Exactly. And already 53 minutes past the hour, and we look forward, of course, to checking in with Joni a week from today, good Lord willing. Have a blessed day in the eternal city of Roma, my dear. Talk to you in a week. Okay, ciao, ciao, and we'll be right back on a Wednesday morning. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. 
you may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is a literally and wholly present body and blood, soul and divinity under the appearances of bread and wine. Feeding 5,000 from a boy's five barley loaves and two fish as recorded in John chapter 6 is quite a miracle. Yet the next day, Jesus downplays it in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Likewise, God's provision of manna to the Israelites in the desert was also a great miracle. Yet Jesus similarly downplays it in verse 49. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Jesus is clearly stating that His Eucharist is greater than both of these amazing miracles, and the Catholic Church absolutely takes Him at His word. Examining the truths of the Catholic faith, this is faithforensics.org. My wife Janet's ancestors arrived in America on the Mayflower, but we never knew that the Catholic missionaries arrived in Florida 50 years earlier. Visit the site where the cross was first planted, where Mass was celebrated, and the first Marian shrine in the New World. Renew baptismal vows in the cathedral in its first baptismal font. Hope you can join us in La Florida, the land of flowers. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. Thanks so much for listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Just a reminder, we have wonderful books available, including a book by Jose Carlos Gonzalez Hurtado, New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God. It's a book that will help you challenge atheists and agnostics to defend their ideologies logically and rationally and to fortify your own beliefs. So there you go. New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God. Evidence, of course, for God in a way that all of us can easily understand. You can find this book, New Scientific Evidence for the Existence of God, at EWTNRC.com. Again, EWTNRC.com. Have a great Wednesday. Happy St. Valentine's and Ash Wednesday. And God willing, talk to you tomorrow. Adamani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.